being good to us. Father, we depend upon your spirit to speak to us, to give us insight and revelation to your word. And so, Father, we thank you for these things. We depend upon the Spirit of God to teach us, to lead us and guide us in all truth. And so, Father, we, we submit ourselves to him. We yield to him, Father. We listen to him. And so we thank you, Father, for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And we give you the praise and the honor for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Philippians chapter 3. We'll continue there today. We uh, were there uh, last week. We were talking about uh, that we should forget things. And there's just a couple, uh, uh, couple more things to say about that. But um, we said the things that we should forget are things that have been done to us, uh, the, uh, the bad things that we have done, uh, and, and the good things that we have done. So if there are bad things that have been done to us, or even the good things that have been done to us, but if there are bad things that have been done to us, we should forgive and forget. And, of course, some people say the phrase, well, I can forgive, but I can't forget. Well, those two are inseparable. You can't really forgive without also forgetting. And when you say forgetting, it's, it's not really even that, uh, uh, that if somebody mentioned it to you a week later, you wouldn't be like, well, I don't even know what you're talking about. You would know what they were talking about. So it's not that you remove it from your mind, but you remove it from your life in a sense that it has no reality uh, to you. And so, you know, a lot of times people will do things to you and, and uh, you'll just be by yourself and you'll think about it and you'll get all mad at them and they're not even there. Uh, and so, so that's really what it's talking about is uh, forgetting uh, having, uh, having uh, for, forgiven them, but also um, a lot of folks struggle oftentimes with forgiving themselves, and so they need to, if you've ever done anything wrong, uh, anybody in here perfect? Anybody in here not ever done anything wrong? Uh, so that we're all in the same boat in that regards. So uh, we need to forgive ourselves, uh, pardon ourselves based upon the blood of Jesus. We pardon ourselves in the same way that we pardon other people. We choose to, to forgive ourselves and to pardon ourselves based upon the word of God and because of what Jesus did for us. Surely if he died for other people, he died for you. And so if his blood works for other people, his blood should work for you. Uh, and so you, you forgive yourself. And then, of course, uh, any wonderful things that you've done. Uh, and, of course, you know, I think most Christians, you know, every now and then you find somebody who's doing things just to be seen or to get the, the uh, accolades of men. But I think most Christians are trying to just do right. But a lot of Christians struggle with uh, if somebody recognizes them, then uh, it's difficult for them to uh, manage that. You know, they may get the big head or they may start thinking more highly of themselves than they ought to. And you really have to, you really have to decide um, in your own life uh, what's going to happen if somebody thanks you or somebody really goes out of their way to tell you how wonderful you are. And um, I, I like the example of Jesus when they called him good master. He said, why callest thou me good? There's none good but the Father. Uh, and, and it wasn't that Jesus wasn't good. Surely he was good. Uh, but he, uh, he was not, that was not the time for him to be deified and to be worshipped. Uh, and so, so he deflected it. And so that's the best thing to do is when people admire you, uh, if they find out that you did a wonderful thing, then um, just deflect it. It's like, well, just let it go right on by you. Uh, the alternative is to hide, you know, some people are of the opinion that because they read the Gospels and Jesus said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Um, and all Jesus is saying is uh, that when these, when these accolades come, then uh, you can just act like, well, you, it wasn't any big deal. Uh, and you can, you know, it's okay to say thank you 
and to be gracious when somebody uh, thanks you. But if they cross the line, and of course, where's the line? I don't know where the line is, but sometimes there's a line where they go beyond thanking you and they go to get into almost hero worship. Uh, and you, you just have to shut that down and, and um, because we're all made out of dust and clay, and so it's no value in trying to um, uh, accept that, uh, that honor uh, in those things. And, you know, every situation is different. You have to find that path for yourself, no doubt. But for the most part, you need to make sure that you forget quickly the things that you do and that it's not, you, you don't go home and look in the mirror and tell yourself how wonderful you are for the things you've done. Uh, and that's really the issue that you need to make sure that you forget quickly the, the things you've done. Uh, and especially if the Lord uses you in things, and you know, the Lord desires to use all of us, I believe, uh, and, uh, and sometimes the Lord will use us and then we will get uh, kind of the big head. Uh, and big uh, ministries have fallen because of that issue, that they have gotten to the point where uh, they... Uh, in fact, the, the Jeffrey brothers, uh, one of them uh, was mightily used in healing rheumatoid arthritis and spectacular healings. And, and one time somebody was healed and, and they just cried out in public, thank you, Jesus. And he said, don't thank Jesus. I'm the one that healed you, when, which is absurd because he can't heal an that swing. And yet he took the, the accolade unto himself and, of course, you know, ended up suffering uh, because of that. But there, there, I have also seen that uh, many ministers, as they grow in the ministry, and as their ministry grows, they suddenly become somebody who doesn't want to hang around the common folks. You know, and I don't, I'm not pointing out anybody in particular who's, who's the common folks. But they all seem to have this air about them. Uh, my friend in Florida calls them, um, uh, what does he call them? He calls them gospel superstars, I think. Uh, and... and um, but they're kind of like Elvis, you know, they walk in and they want everybody to go, you know, all the crowd to hush and, you know, and, and they want, you know, music start playing. And I mean, it, it's just, it, it, it's, uh, uh, and I have seen and been around many ministers like that, that, uh, you know, they don't want to, they don't want to hang around common folks. And, and that's why I love Brother Randy, because even though he's got a, you know, a large ministry, um, every time he comes to, to minister here, at the end of the service, he'll go to the back of the church and he'll greet everybody and shake everybody's hand, tell them thank you for coming, and he'll chit-chat with people. And, and, you know, sometimes we do have to rescue him because sometimes people want to consume all of his time and there's other people that uh, want to speak to him, and so sometimes you do have to help people move along. But, um, but it's not that he doesn't want to speak to them. And so, um, and, and, you know, a lot of ministers have bodyguards, and, you know, if that's necessary, that's fine because there are crazy people out there. But it's like you can't you can't talk to them, and so, you know, uh, there's no law about that. But um, uh, we don't want to ever be seen as being that guy, right? We don't want to be that person there. Because so, the best way to do that is just forget it. If you had a most amazing service ever and you raised three people from the dead, uh, you know, the next day someone's, you know, well, how was the service yesterday? It was great. The Lord, the Lord uh, showed up and we had a great service. You know, uh, well, I heard somebody raised from the dead. Oh yeah, then you mention it, you know. Uh, and it's not that you forget or even that you're lying. It's that uh, it's, it, be, it should become unimportant to you of the things that you've done as soon as they're over. Uh, and, uh, uh, and that will help you, that will allow the Lord to allow you to grow because, you know, the Lord says many, many times that, uh, that if you humble yourself under the mighty hand of the Lord, he will what? Exalt you in due season, right? So, so the Lord does desire to exalt you in the sense that promotes you and to increase your, your um your impact in the body of Christ. Uh, it, but 
the, the requirement for that is to, uh, is to remain humble. And of course, we know, having been around here for a while, that the best definition I like for humility uh, to be humble is to remain under. And so uh, humble, uh, being humble or humility is really, it's really a military kind of a term in, in a sense of rank and file. So in the military, you know, a sergeant is always under a staff sergeant. A private is always under a sergeant, you know, and then you get into the officer corps and, uh, and they've got lieutenants and uh, majors and, or captains, majors, colonels and lieutenant colonels and, and generals. And, and of course, in the Navy, they've got admirals. And so they've got different rank and file. And, the, and it, it's very frowned upon if you ever skip rank and, and try to go over the, the top of your commanding officer for anything at all. Uh, and so, uh, the, the, so the intent in the military is that you remain under or you remain where you're supposed to be. And that's really humility is, is we remain under the Lord. So it's not that I remain under you. I'm not under you. you know, you're, not, you're not under me. I understand from, a, from a, sometimes in an authority standpoint, everybody in the church is, is under the pastor in that sense if they're working in a ministry. Uh, but uh, as Christians, we're all equal. Uh, and so, so our responsibility is to remain humble and remain under the Lord. And, and we get, when we get out of that, when we remember the wonderful things we've done, we start thinking like Lucifer did, that I will exalt my throne above the throne of the Most High. And we move out from where we're supposed to be under the Lord to a place that we're not supposed to be. And of course, that is also, the, the, that is, is the very definition of pride, is where you're, where you're not where you're supposed to be, and you think you should be somewhere that you're not. Uh, and that is the very definition of pride, which is what uh, Lucifer was guilty of, was the very first, pride, first sin was pride. And, uh, and he did that because whatever things he was responsible for, if you go back and look at his history, he was responsible for nations of the earth, the Bible says. So we don't know what that was or what that looked like at that time, but apparently he had a, a large responsibility uh, in, uh, in creation. And, uh, and he started thinking that he was so wonderful and that he was deserving of a greater place. He was already called the, the anointed cherub. He's the only anointed being other than the Godhead and humanity that we, that we know of, uh, that it was specifically called out as being anointed. Uh, and so uh, it wasn't enough. And that's the problem when you start remembering the wonderful things you've done. It doesn't matter what position you're in, it's not enough. And so you become ambitious and you think I'm deserving of this or deserving of that. And, um, uh, and, it, and it's, very, uh, it's, it's very subtle and you know, you're not careful. It's easy to get to that particular place. So. So Paul said here in Philippians 3.13, Brethren, I count, my, count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth uh, unto those things which are before. And of course, in verse 14, he says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So those three things really go together, of forgetting, reaching forth, and pressing toward. Uh, and, and so um, in, in forgetting, you know, if you think about Paul, let's turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 1. Uh, you know, Paul was somebody who um, uh, had a, a, an interesting history, right? We know his history, but Paul mentions here uh, in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, uh, in verse 12, it says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me, that he, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Uh, and so he was put into the ministry not, not when he was born again, he began ministering, but he wasn't put in the ministry until Acts chapter 13, uh, when, when, the, when the Lord said, uh, separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto have called them. That's when he was put in the ministry. So he was 
faithful for those four years or so from Acts chapter 9 to Acts chapter 13, uh, doing the work of the ministry, doing the thing that he was called to do. And I understand that because for uh, many years long before I was a pastor, I was in the ministry. I was, uh, uh, well, I wasn't in the full-time ministry here like Paul said, but I was doing the work of the ministry. I was preaching in jails. I was preaching Sunday school. I was preaching in the nursing home. Uh, I was preaching on, in uh, mission trips. Anywhere I could find uh, that was an opportunity, I would preach. Uh, and so the Lord counted me faithful. And because of those years that I was with my pastor, uh, then he was able to put me into the ministry. But he said that before, who was before a blasphemer? Well, I, he just said in Philippians to forget those things that are behind. And yet he's mentioning things here that are behind that he was a blasphemer, a perjurer, he was injurious or insulting, uh, he, but he obtained mercy because he did it ignorantly in, un, in unbelief. Uh, and so, of course, we know the story of, of Paul, that he stood at the feet of watching them murder Stephen. You know, it's a big deal. I mean, you think about, you know, it wasn't like they just shot Stephen and moved on. They stoned him. Well, that'd be a, a, a long, it would take a while to stone somebody to death. Uh, and it would be, it would be um, very, a, a very violent death and Paul did this. Paul watched over that. And, and you know, in, in our society, and I think in most societies, you would be found guilty uh, for aiding and abetting those that were um, committing the, the murder, and you would be tried in the same way. You might have a, a slightly lesser sentence, but you'd be found guilty of attempted murder in that regards uh, for aiding and abetting murder. So, you know, Paul did some big things, some, some and, and that wasn't the only situation. You know, all of the uh, papers that he took from city to city, that was his job. He, he took that on. That wasn't a job description in the Old Covenant. He took that on himself because he was so zealous for the Lord that he wanted to destroy this, this move that was looking like it was trying to defeat and destroy their Jewish nation or the Jewish uh, way of life, which it really was trying to supplant that, which, of course, that was always the plan of the Lord to, to replace the law with the grace uh, and it wasn't a different group. It was the same group. It was the same uh, Jehovah God. Uh, but, they, of course, they didn't see it that way. They, they, took, uh, they took offense at what was doing. And so Paul has every reason in the world to remember the things that he did. And he even tells us the things that he did. So and did he forget? Well, he's, uh, if he's living by his own words in Philippians chapter 3, he did forget because if you look at all of his writings, all the books that uh, he started with Paul, uh, he, uh, he always says, Paul, an apostle of the Lord Jesus, called of God. And a lot of times people that, that do terrible things uh, never feel like they're worthy of anything from that point on in their life. And they say, well, you know, someone say, well, well what do you do? I don't do anything. I'm unworthy to do anything for the Lord. Well, did you murder somebody? Did you assist somebody being murdered? Did you, did you intentionally put somebody in the worst jails in the world uh, and just had to make up stuff to get them thrown into jail? Uh, and lie on them and tell them they're blasphemers and, and all kinds of things that they weren't doing. Uh, and, and even if he did, uh, was Paul able to move on? Well, then that, that's the key. Paul was able to move past his, his history. Uh, he remembered it. He, he told us there in 1 Timothy the things that he had done, but uh, it was just information. He didn't, he didn't build an altar at those mistakes and say, I can't move past that. And I know a lot of people, they make a mistake, they'll, they'll just look at you, I can't move past that. Well, that's really a statement of low faith because a person of faith says, well, uh, that was a terrible thing, but the blood of Jesus is greater than that terrible thing. And the grace of God is greater than that thing. And the mercy of God is greater than that thing. 
So I believe in the mercy and the blood and the grace of the Lord, so I'm going to move past that thing. That thing, I still have a remembrance of it in the sense that I can recall that it happened, but it's not going to control my life. So I'm going to forget its value in my life. It has no value in my life. And that's, if you can get to where your yesterday has no value in your life, then you're a person of faith and you can move on. A person of weak faith will always build altars and stop in their life. They'll stop right there at that point in their life, whatever mistakes. And, and it's, you know, my heart really grieves for people like that because I know folks like that. And, and they've taken themselves out of the race. They've taken themselves out, of the, out of being utilized by the Lord. The Lord didn't do that. You know, they did it on their own. And, and um, let's turn over to uh, uh, Romans. Uh, let's see, Romans chapter 12 is where we want to go. And um, we'll find it here in just a second. Uh, um, well, that's not it. Uh, uh, it's Romans chapter 11. That's where we want to go. Um, in Romans chapter 11, in verse 29, it says, For the gifts and the calling of God, the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. And, you know, I was reading this one day, and the Lord said, Go and talk to your friend about this verse. I had a friend of mine that I went to church with for many years, and, and, um, and they had for many years said that they were called into the ministry, called to be a pastor, called to lead a church. And, uh, you know, they had made some mistakes, but really, you know, I knew them for years. I didn't ever think that they made that big of mistakes, you know. I mean, everybody makes mistakes. And, uh, but in their mind, they had made such, uh, so many mistakes. Maybe it was a quantity of them, because the, 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 the actual... Uh, individual mistakes that maybe he even made that I never really accounted for. They weren't any all, all that big. Uh, but in his mind, he had made so many mistakes that he considered himself unworthy to be in the ministry. And the problem with that mentality is, this is what the Lord told me to tell him about this particular verse, because he said, the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. Uh, that, and so that's twofold there. Number one is, repentance means to change their mind. So, number one is God is not going to change his mind. If you're called of God to something, to do something, you're called of God. From before the foundation of the world, before he placed a star in the sky, laid a grass on the ground, he called you to that thing. And you will be called to that thing till forever. Now, you know, it's everything that you're called for. So he may shift gears and, and increase your ministry or do different things over, over your lifetime. But whatever you're called to do, he's not going to change that. He's not going to go, yeah, you know. Maybe it's not, you know, uh, Brother Randy tells a story when he was in, um, in Bible school that he, uh, you had to pick a track, just like a lot of things. What are you called to do? Well, you had a pastor's track, you had a teacher's track, you had a, an evangelist track, you had a, a helps ministry track, and so you could follow those, and they had specific uh, classes you would attend if that's what you were called to do. Which, so a lot of the classes were the same, but then you would specifically find out some things, well, how to run a church, right? That'd be a something you would learn in a pastor's uh, row. So in one of the classes, they had to uh, preach a message. And, and, um, uh, and so he did his little outline thing according to the, the instructions of the, of the pastor. I think he may have even told the story last time he was here. Did, did he tell the story last time he was here about the, when he was uh, preaching that uh, class? Maybe when he was at his conference. But So anyway, he, it got up his time to, to teach. And you only got like 12 minutes. So... Uh, now, uh, you don't know Brother Randy, and of course we know Brother Randy now, but back in the day, back in the 90s, he was an evangelist. He was, he was wild and uh, wild as a buck, and, and I remember seeing him at camp meeting, 
and he was running around the stage and his suspenders would be flying off and he was sweating and screaming and hollering and it's not the Randy we know today. You know, his ministry has changed over the years. I mean, he could still pull it out if it's necessary, but, uh, but that was what he was like back then. And so just, just uh, you know, on fire evangelist. Uh, and, you know, that's kind of what you want with it when you have an evangelist. And so he got time for him in the pastor's class to do his speech. Well, he started, and, and uh, within a minute, probably, uh, he, he kicked it in a high gear, and that was probably the last breath he took. And so, uh, so he, he, just, uh, he just went on, and, and um, uh, they were all hooping and hollering and, and screaming for him, and, and it was a great message. And then after the class, the, the professor said, uh, Brother Randy, I need to talk to you. He said, uh, you, you're in the wrong class. You're not a pastor. You know, if you pastored like that, you would, just, uh, you would expire in a year. There's no way you could preach that hard every single service as a pastor and survive. And so they, they tried to adjust, um, they had to adjust his class schedule and, and things, no doubt, to get him in the right place. Uh, and so, but you know, the Lord started, had him start out as an evangelist, but eventually moved him into the office of the prophet. Uh, and, and, and that's normal, that's, that's part of it, right? Uh, but this one friend of mine felt like he had made so many mistakes that, uh, that he was unworthy to be utilized of the Lord. And, and, and I understand there's ramifications to sin. There, there could be consequences to sin. But at the end of the day, uh, the, there's never a sin so much that you're no longer called. And so the repentance is on two sides. Number one, that God's never going to change his mind, right? The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. It doesn't say without repentance as long as you behave. It says without repentance. So the Lord's never going to change his mind that, okay, you're no longer called to do that. Uh, uh, and, and what the ramifications of your mistakes will be, that's between you and the Lord. Uh, but the other part of repentance is you can't repent. You can't decide, you know, I'm just, I'm, I don't want to do that anymore. And, and a lot of ministers do that. They'll be doing things uh, and uh, called of God and the things they're doing. And, and maybe they're bored or maybe they're not seeing the results that they are desiring or maybe... You know, people aren't supporting the way they want to. You know, whatever the things are, maybe they just want a bigger, a bigger audience or th- uh, something, and, and um, they, get, they get disillusioned with where they're at, and they just change gears. They just, well, I don't want to do this anymore. Uh, and um, in fact, Chris was telling me about, uh, uh, they, we were uh, playing pickleball the other day, and, and a group next door was, was uh, playing some music, and they were playing country music, and she said the band they were playing, that, that song they was playing, she said they used to be a praise and worship team. Uh, and, but they wanted more. So they quit being a praise worship team and went to a, a country uh, band, you know, a, a country music band. Uh, and I, I, don't, I mean, none of my business except that, you know, it's hard for me to, to, to get my head around if you're, now see, the question is, were they ever called? And I said, I don't know. Uh, I'm not their God. I'm not the Lord Jesus. Were they ever called to be in a praise worship team? If you're called to do that, you know, it, it seems, you know, the Lord promotes, but he rarely uh, demotes, right, in that sense. And so uh, he's not going to say, well, now that you're the most amazing praise worship team, let's go sing some country music. Uh, I, I don't know how you get from that point to another point, right? I don't know how you go from, from that to another. And, and I, we used to watch these singing shows a lot, uh, and um, so many times, Someone would come on and they would have be an amazing singer and they say, "What's your background?" Well, I was, uh, you know, or I am a praise and worship leader at a local church. And they say, "Well, why do you want to win this competition?" Well, I I want to be, you know, a superstar. I want everybody to know my name. 
And, I, and I'm thinking, you're, you're, you worship, you bring people into the worship of the Most High God, and that's not good enough for you. You want to leave that calling, and you're going to go into the world. And look, I know people need to earn a living and make, and make money, uh, and, and so, you know, again, that's between them and them, but, uh, but so you, can, you can't repent. You can't decide, that's not what I'm doing. Now, maybe you made a mistake. Maybe you were never called to do that to begin with. You, you know, so it's not my job to judge everybody and say, well, you're wrong and you're wrong and you're wrong. But the, the point of it is, is you need to be sure in your calling. And if you're sure that where your calling is, then that's your calling. And you're there, you know, you, you, you pray the prayer of consecration, Lord, I'm here till forever unless you change, unless you change something in my life. Uh, and, uh, you know, even in our ministry, you know, I was in helps ministry for many years, for 20 years in the helps ministry, and really longer than that because I went to other churches as in the helps ministry. Uh, but with my pastor, I was uh, with him for 20 years in helps ministry. Well, now I pastor a church. Well, that, that's still ministry, but it's a different ministry. And so will I pastor all the rest of the days of my life? You know, I don't know. You know, of course, we just heard, I think it was yesterday, that uh, Charles Stanley out of Atlanta just passed away. He was 90 years old and and uh, he was a great minister of the Lord. I, uh, you know, I enjoyed, you know, even though he's a good Baptist fella, he was a solid teacher and enjoyed his ministry. Uh, and he was a pastor all the days of his life. Amen. And some people will be the same thing all the days of their life. Some people, uh, like Paul and Silas or Paul and Barnabas, the, the, the Bible says in Acts 13, 1, that, uh, that they were teachers and prophets, you know. Uh, and so uh, Paul was probably a teacher and a prophet, and Barnabas was probably just a teacher. Uh, and so they were promoted or changed from that role to the role of a prophet or to role to, to an apostle. So the Lord can change things, but see, that's always been, that's always the Lord's side, right? Uh, the, you can't repent from that. You can't decide, you know, I'm just, I'm just not going to do that anymore. And I, I know a lot, lot of ministers who just, you know, they, they, they invent something and suddenly they quit their being a minister and they go run around the country selling this widget. Uh, and... Um, uh, again, I'm not the judge. I'm not going to like, well, you were wrong because maybe they were never to be called to begin with. I don't know. You know, that's, that's between them and them. And I know uh, Dr. Dufresne had asked Brother Hagen one time, uh, he said, uh, in your experience and observation, Brother, Brother Hagen, all the churches you minister to, how often do you find somebody that's a pastor that is really not called to be a pastor? And he said, Brother Hagen kind of bowed his head and said, uh, more than, than you'll ever know. So there's a lot of people who are standing in the pulpit that shouldn't even be there because they were never called to do that. So why are they there? I don't know. Uh, I, I do. I, I have seen and observed some people want, wanting to be um, in the pulpit because they think uh, they'll have a, a financial backing that they don't really have to work that hard. Uh, well, I mean, I guess you could be a minister and not work hard, but I don't know what that, what that would look like. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm working all the time as a minister, you know, preparing uh, messages, reading, studying, doing things, and, and uh, trying to adjust some things in my life to get more time to do that. And, and we'll get that adjusted before too long to have even more time to do those things. Uh, and so, uh, so I don't know, you know, uh, we, we leave that alone, amen? We, we leave it alone. So, uh, but, you know, all of that came about from, from back to uh, Philippians chapter 3 then about... Uh, forgetting those things which are behind. And so um, you have to do that because what you're called to do is what you're called to do. You can't just decide, well, I've made too many mistakes. And if you've made mistakes, you know, the Lord will say, I need you to do this or do that. You know, whatever, whatever, whatever it is he tells you to do, you would, should, should follow his, uh, his instructions in those things. And, and again, it's not my responsibility 
to, uh, to judge everybody and tell you that you're not called, you shouldn't be called. Uh, and so, uh, you know, uh, the Bible does say that, that we'll be known by our fruits. And so it's not fruits as far as numbers of people that you have, but it's the fruit of your own life, really, is what you should be looking at. So, so we've got to forget those things. And just as far as forgiveness goes, let's just look at a, a couple of verses, see what the Lord says about this. So turn to Psalm 103 here. And, um, uh, and so we should follow the example of the Lord. If he has the capacity to do this, you know, one time uh, I was just talking to the Lord and just, you know, uh, just ministering to him and just telling him that, uh, quoting the verses about the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. Uh, and uh, just saying it over and over just, you know, because sometimes you just get, uh, you get a phrase or a word and you just, you just compelled to tell the Lord that's who he is. And so I was just telling the Lord that he's good and his mercy endureth forever. And he said, uh, if, if he is good and his mercy endures forever, then I should be good and my mercy should endure forever because I'm supposed to be like him. Amen. So, um, uh, but he said here in Psalm 103, verse 12, he said, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgression from, from us. So now, uh, if, if you have two people and one person heads east and one person heads west, uh, you know, of course, eventually they'd loop around and see each other. But, it, but if, you, if you were just headed west just by yourself um, and behind you was east uh, and you kept on going, when, when would you ever hit east? So, so right now, let's see, uh, the sun's setting right there, so that's west. So if we head this way, west, when, when, we would, when would we arrive at east? We would never, we would always keep on going west. Which is amazing because if you think about it, because uh, north and south, it doesn't work that way. Uh, that's, that's west, so north is this way. If we head north all the way and we hit the North Pole, as soon as we t- step on the North Pole, now we're headed south. We keep on going the same direction. We would head north eventually, and, but eventually we would hit south, and we would go down all the way to the South Pole. As soon as we hit the South Pole, we would immediately head north. So that's the, as far as the north is from the south, that's you know, half the distance around the globe. But as far as the east is from the west, if we head west, then we would never head east. So that's how far away it is. You would never hit, you, it, it, that's, uh, that's how far away it is. It's basically an infinite distance, which is an amazing, I mean, it's a small thing, but um, if they had said as far as the north is from the south, then um, we'd have said, well, see, they didn't even understand uh, how the earth works. You know, this was written long before, you know, Thousands of years ago, there was no knowledge of the earth was round and the earth was a globe and the earth was spinning around on its axis. They had no knowledge of these things back then, but the Lord did. And so the Lord inspired uh, David to write this psalm specifically. And David uh, quoted it correctly uh, in a sense that it's an infinite distance away. So the the Lord removes our transgression from us as far as the east is from the west. If he does that, then we should do that. If he removes it from us, then we should remove it from us. If he removes it from the people that do things to us, then we should remove it from the people that do things to us. How far away? That far away. So, uh, so if it's ever brought up again, hey, didn't they do that thing to you? Yeah, yeah, they did that. Well, don't you, aren't you upset about it? It's, I've already forgotten about it, so I've already moved on. If you, in fact, you hadn't mentioned it, I hadn't thought about it in years, uh, that's, that's what we should do, right? We should forget it, and we should set it so far away in our hearts that it's just not real to us. Uh, and, so, and so that's the measure, right? If I mention it and, you know, the hair in the back of your neck stands up, then you've not removed it from the, from the east as from the west. Uh, you, you're keeping in your hip pocket, right? Uh, and so over in uh, Micah, 
Uh, let's see, where's Micah? Well, wherever Micah is, it's one of the 12. Uh, Micah, it's Jonah, then Micah. Um, one of the 12 minor prophets there. So in, in Micah chapter 7, he says, um, in verse 19, he will turn again, he will have compassion upon us, he will subdue our iniquities, and will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. So we call it the sea of forgetfulness, but the sea of forgetfulness is not actually a biblical term. But that's what he's going to do in the depths of the sea. So if you're on an ocean liner uh, and you're out in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean and you drop a quarter in the, in the water, uh, you're going to dive in after it? No, it's gone forever, right? You're never going to find it again. It's going to go, you know, if you go over to the, the uh, was it Marianas Trench or something, it's like seven miles deep. Uh, it's deep, right? You're never going to find it. That's how, far, that's how deep, away, deep away it should be. And so the Lord's going to, cast them, uh, set them aside as far as east and west. He's going to cast their sins into, into the depths of the sea. So if the Lord can do it, you know, we can do it. Amen. Uh, and that's the thing is we, we have to, if you're going to live a life of faith, when you read verses like this, you have to say, Lord, if you can do it, I can do it. Uh, we should never make excuses. It's hard. I can't do it. You don't know what they've done. Uh, all of those are just statements of the flesh that's keeping you from walking in faith. You have full and complete capacity to do all of these things because God lives in you. And then I wanted to read one, uh, another verse here uh, because uh, this, I think, is just a really good verse. And, and let's turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 43. So you can just kind of flip through your Bible and find Isaiah, right? There's 66 chapters, so you can't really miss it. Um, and so <clears throat> he says here in Isaiah 43, in verse 25, uh, I, even I am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake, and will not remember thy sins. So is the Lord, is the Lord going to forget your sins? He will, right? If you, if you repent, uh, then he will, he will not, no longer remember your sins. So that should help us because a lot of times people will pray and, well, Lord, I need to, you know, you remember that thing I did last week? I, I repented about it last week, but it just really bothered me. He'd be like, what are you talking about? I thought, I thought you repented for that. If you repented and you confessed your sins according to 1 John 1, 9, then there is no remembrance on the Lord's side. And for you to bring it up is disrespectful to the Lord because, first of all, he's not going to know what you're talking about. He has chosen to cast it in depth of the sea. He's chosen to set it as far as the east as the west. Uh, and he says here that he will not remember it. So if he won't remember it, uh, then you shouldn't remember it. Amen? Uh, now, the, the thing that's especially nice about this verse is right in the middle of the verse, he says, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake, for his sake. So he doesn't do it for your sake, right? Because if, if it said for your, for your sake, well, that would make sense because if he didn't uh, forgive us of our transgressions, then we're, we're stuck, right? We're doomed to that judgment of that sin and, and there's no way out. And so if he, if he had said that I did this for your sake, we'd be like, well, yeah, we appreciate that because otherwise I'm doomed. But that's not what he said. He said, I did it for my sake, for his sake. So he didn't do it for your sake. He did it for his sake. Well, 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 what value, I mean, if the Lord does it for us, our sake, the value is we get the misjudgment, right? Because all sin uh, will result in some kind of judgment. So we would misjudgment. So that would be valuable to us. But what's the value of the Lord for forgiving our sins? What value is it to him to forgive our sins? Uh, and if you think about what, what, what is the Lord's desire? What was the very first thing he did for Adam and Eve? He blessed them, right? That's the very first thing he did. So 
if we operate in sin, what is he constrained to do? What he's no longer able to do as fully as he wants to. He, he's, he's unable to bless us. So, and that's, what does he want to do more than anything? Well, it's obvious from what he did with Adam and Eve that his desire more than anything is to be a blessing to us. And when he's constrained in being a blessing to us because of our choices and the, and the mistakes we make, then uh, uh, Paul said, uh, turn to, uh, I like this particular verse here, uh, Galatians 2.20, or 2.21, but we'll look at, uh, we'll start there in, in 2.20 there. Um, if we could understand about how the Lord operates, you know, a lot of times people say things they don't really understand how the Lord operates, but, uh, but he says here in verse uh, Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Well, that's a good statement, right? Are you crucified with Christ? In other words, have you died to yourself like Christ, like Christ did? He said, nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. So do you live by the faith of the Son of God or do you live by your own, your own intelligence? That's a question for you to decide, right? I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then the next, the next statement has given me so much revelation about how the Lord operates. He said, I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. I do not frustrate the grace of God. So what's frustration? The frustration is when somebody desires to do something but they're unable to accomplish it for whatever reason, right? They, they desire to go to the they desire to go to to uh, the grocery store, but they're out of gas. So now they're frustrated, right? Now they want to do that, but they can't. Uh, they want to go out to eat, but they don't have any money. Uh, so whatever whatever the desire they have, they're unable to accomplish that desire. Uh, and so Paul is saying here that uh, that uh, that he does not frustrate the grace of God. So how would he frustrate the grace of God? Well, he would frustrate the grace of God by living in the flesh. He said, the life of the, the, I now live in the flesh. I don't live it that way. I live by the faith of the Son of God. So if he instead chose to live his life as a Christian in the flesh, he's saying that this would frustrate the grace of God. The Lord wants to give us grace to do everything and, and conquer everything in our life, but he's unable to do that. He's unable to be a blessing to us because of our choices. So the Lord said, my desire is to bless you and to give you full access to grace in all that you do and to be more than a conqueror in all that you, all, uh, all that you do and everywhere that you go. And uh, he's unable to do that if we make choices that frustrate his grace. Uh, and so that's not, we're not going to miss heaven. It's not about missing heaven. It's not about dying and go to hell. It's uh, we're on our way to heaven, but the Lord is unable to give us days of heaven upon the earth because we don't want to live for him. We want to live according to the flesh. And a lot of times we do this, amen? Uh, uh, a lot of times we choose to flesh out and we choose to do what we want to do regardless of what the Lord wants us to do. And, and in doing that, then God is limited in how he can bless us. So that's why he said back in Isaiah 43, I will do this for my sake because I want to bless you. I want to be a blessing to you and so it's got nothing to do with you. It's only about me. Uh, and, you know, sometimes, uh, uh, you know, you make fun, you, you help your kids out. Well, I'm just doing it for me, because you know, it makes me happy to be a blessing to you. And, and, and so, and of course, they think it's all about them. It's not about them at all. It's about me, right? I want to be a blessing to my kids, my grandkids, right? Uh, you know, great-grandmother's here. She wants to be a blessing to her, to her kids, her, her grandkids, and her great-grandchild. Uh, and, and, you know, it's not selfish because she's doing it for her sake, right? Because she wants to be a blessing to them and she wants to, to improve their lives. Uh, and so, 
so the Lord is not, is the Lord selfish? He's not selfish because his desire is to be a giver. His desire is to be a, blesser, a blessing to us. And, and more than anything, that's what he wants to do to us. He created us to be a blessing to us. He created us in his image and likeness. He desires to do that. And so uh, it's our, our job. Uh, and, you know, if you, can, if you can understand this, when Jesus died, uh, we received an inheritance. Well, what did Jesus own? Who, who was Jesus? He was the son of the living God, and he was God. So what does Jesus own? Everything. And so if he owns everything, what did we get? Well, then we get everything. But it's sort of set up in a trust fund, right? So we get it as we have need of it. Uh, and uh, if we choose to, to backslide for a day or an hour, then uh, we're not able to access that. It's not even that the Lord is punishing us. It's that our sin is a hindrance to us receiving from the Lord. Uh, and so uh, when, you, when you become a Christian, you start at 100%. And if Christians could ever get this in their hearts, I, start, I'm at a, I live at 100%. And all they can do is mess it up from there. And of course, we do mess it up from there. You know, a lot of Christians are always slogging their way through life. And Lord, if I can just be good for one more day, I think I'll earn a little bit of favor from you. And maybe I can get promoted to, you know, you know uh, uh, private first class instead of just, uh, you know, uh, just private. Uh, you know, Lord, more than anything, I'm going to become uh, private first class. And they're thinking if I just work hard enough and do, I can earn a little bit of favor from the Lord. But, and that's a completely wrong mindset. You start at 100% as a child of, a, of the Lord Jesus, uh, the Father God, who has given you all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Uh, and he's, if he's already given them to you, then that's your inheritance. That's what belongs to you. And so uh, what happens then is a, as we do things in our life, we oftentimes will frustrate God's grace. And so that's why the Lord said, that even I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgression. So you, when you repent, he blots it out, right? It's no longer there, no longer visible. Uh, and, you know, that, that's interesting because, you know, sometimes you ever make a mistake on a, on a piece of paper and all you have is an ink pen. Well, you know, you could just blot it out, right? You just scribble over that and it, it can't be seen. Uh, and so, um, so that's what he's doing. He, he's making the, those transgressions. Uh, invisible or, or not being able to recognize them for his sake so that he now has the ability to bless you fully. Uh, and, and you're just going to meditate on that verse. I've been meditating on this verse all week. And just, it's such a great for my sake, mine own sake. That's why he, he's doing it. And that just tells you how much he loves us, right? That, that should tell you uh, and inform us. This is, he wants so much to bless us, to be a blessing to us, that he's going to do these things for his sake, he's going to forgive us. He's going to put our, our iniquities as far as the east is from the west, put them in, in, in the depths of the sea, uh, and blot them out so that he can be a blessing to us. So we've got to learn to do that ourselves. We've got to learn to be like the Lord. We've got to learn to forget uh, what people have done to us, forget what we've done to other people, forget what we've done to ourselves, and forget the wonderful things we've done. And so uh, if we can do that, then uh, we can live in the fullness of faith. Amen. So, so how do we train ourselves to do that? Well, you know, uh, a good way to do that, turn to Philippians, we're in Philippians uh, chapter 3, just turn over to chapter 4 here. Philippians chapter 4. Uh, and so... Uh, Part of learning how to, for, to forgive somebody and forgetting these things 
is you've got to train yourself because what happens is, uh, you know, First Corinthians chapter 14 or chapter 15, uh, let's see, I think it's chapter 14. I'll just read it real quick here. It's in chapter 14. Um, it says um, in verse 10, there are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world and none of them without signification or none of them without meaning. So the many voices in the world, many kinds of voices in the world. What are some of the voices that you hear? Don't you remember what they did to you? They shouldn't have done that. Why'd they do that to you? You didn't deserve that. They're a terrible person. You know, I can't believe they did that. Well, that's a voice, right? Uh, and how many people listen to that voice? I, I can't believe I did that. You know, I'm such a dog. I can't believe I made a mistake. I'm, I'm no count. I'm unworthy. The Lord can never bless me ever again. Well, that's another voice, right? Uh, and so how, how are you going to overcome that? How are you going to stop thinking that way? Because, uh, you know, I've had people tell me, well, I, I, I try to forgive them, but I can't forget what they've done. Well, you know, th that's where faith has to come in because you have to make the, if you're going to forgive somebody, you have to make a bold declaration. I choose to forgive them. Now, that doesn't mean that you're, that you're going to immediately, that, that, that thought of that thing is, is gone from your memory and that you have no recollection of that event that ever occurred. Uh, you know, you all the stories that I, that I tell you that occurred with me and my pastor over these years. But, uh, you know, uh, except for during service, I just rarely think about those things. I don't, I don't dwell on them. I don't go, wow, I can't believe those things happened. I don't think about all the people that did those things to me. I don't, when, when those people come to my mind, I don't, you know, the hair doesn't stand up on the back of my neck. It's just, it just immaterial to my life. I just have moved past that many, many years ago, and so it's not real to me at all. Uh, and so, but how do you do it? How do you train that? Well, uh, see, a person of faith will make the declaration, I choose to forgive. And uh, like I said, where, pe where people have told me that they can't do this, you know, really the issue is not that they can't forget. The issue is they just won't own the forgiveness. They won't declare aggressively, I choose as an act of my will to forgive them. And they've not done their job. They, they want those feelings to leave the feelings of, of the injustice that they did to you, of the terrible things they've done to you. They want those feelings to leave before they feel like they can forgive you. Uh, and, uh, you know, my pastor had a great saying that he would mention on occasion. He would say that time and distance does not equal repentance. And so a lot of people think that time has to transpire before I can forgive you. Uh, and, and so, and of course, sometimes when people do things wrong, they won't repent uh, and they won't come and apologize to you. Of course, we know that apology is not a biblical uh, word at all, but the Bible does talk about you going to your brother and, and, uh, and repenting and, and getting things right with your brother. Uh, and so that, that may require an apology if that's necessary. You'd have to be led of the Lord to know what to do in that case. Uh, but uh, in, uh, in forgiveness, uh, they, they want, uh, uh, they think that forgiveness is occurring in their life when they no longer feel the pain of that event. And, and that is not true at all. Uh, and, and so you have to control your life. You have to be in control. Your spirit has to be in control of your life. So uh, the forgiveness is a declaration of faith. I choose to forgive them. I choose to pardon that individual and what they've done. I choose to forgive me and what I've done. I choose to put that under the blood of Jesus because that's where it goes, right? It gets washed away by the blood of Jesus. Uh, and so I choose to do that as an act of my faith. And you really have to be bold, uh, especially if it's a big thing. You know, if it's a small thing, Lord, I forgive them, and you move, it's no big deal, right? But if it's a big thing, right? They, they stole your Cracker Jacks or, you know, uh, whatever they did. Uh, 
and um, I remember when I was in ninth grade, uh, see, I was in ninth grade, yeah, I was in ninth grade, and, um, uh, uh, you know, even back then, you had to sell stuff for school, right? So I was selling stuff, uh, and, um, uh, and so we were selling candy bars. Well, uh, you got a big prize if you won, if you sold more candy than anybody else. So, you know, I was, a, you know, a poor, a poor orphan by that time. Uh, let's see, was I an orphan at that time? Well, no, I wasn't quite an orphan then. Uh, my dad had passed away, but not my mother. Uh, and so, uh, but I, we were poor, right? We didn't have anything. So I think, well, I'm going to, what I can do is I can work. You know, I, I, I couldn't get money by, uh, by my family, but I knew how to work. And so, man, I, I got after it. I, I started selling it and going door to door. You know, back then you could do that, right? I, I would never let my kids do that today, except for just maybe in our neighborhood with people we know. But just going to random houses, I mean, we just heard the other day, some kid knocked on the door and got shot. Uh, you know, and it's just a lot of the world we live in today. Uh, and so, uh, but a friend of mine, you know, it was really my best friend in, in, uh, uh, in school. Uh, I'd keep checking with him, how many have you sold? And I was, I mean, I had it down. I knew exactly how I sold, you know, this, whatever. How many, oh, I don't know. And I'm thinking, okay, he doesn't know. He's not really trying that hard, you know. So I'm really trying hard. And, you know, this went on for like three weeks or four weeks, however long you sell these things. And all the time, how many have you sold? How many have you sold? Well, you know, he would never tell me, you know. But I didn't suspect anything because he was my best friend, right? And so we get down to it. And at the end of it, you know, he found, I found out he sold like twice as many as I sold. And he won the whole competition. And, and, and I was really hurt because he intentionally didn't tell me so that I couldn't, so I wouldn't compete with him. He, you know, and I was just telling him because I thought that's what friends do. They would tell each other things, you know, and, and be honest with each other. And I just felt, I felt really betrayed by him in that. I was just a small thing, but, you know, when, when and it, you won like $100 or, I mean, it was like real money for me back then. Uh, and, um, uh, and so, and it was, it was a betrayal, right? He, he intentionally misled me with, with the hopes of, of me not uh, doubling up my efforts to win the contest. And he didn't even do most of the work. His mom did most of the work. She worked somewhere where she could just put it on her desk and people just come by and throw money at her. Uh, I had to work hard for that. You know, my parents didn't work like that. In fact, my, my dad was gone. My mom was retired. And so, um, uh, and so I had to choose to forgive him. You know, I had to choose to, to set that aside. And, uh, you know, it is a funny story now. I look back on it, and I never have talked about it. I should talk about it. You know, I, I talked to him just the other day. Uh, been, uh, I haven't seen him in many years, but we chit-chat every now and then online. Uh, and so, you remember that time that you stabbed me in the back, you know, you rascal? Uh, and and uh, see, I could tell him about it. It'd be funny now. It wouldn't bother me a bit to tell him that. Uh, and so, you know, that happened when I was in, in high school. That's, you know, 40 years. I mean, our, our 40th high school reunion is up now, so that was 40, 44 years ago, uh, something like that, that that occurred. Uh, and so, the, the, in fact, I hadn't thought about that in years probably, but just in, in the service here, thinking about it, you know, that's a real thing that happened, amen? But, uh, but see, it, it's not real to me, Amen. I make fun of it. It's a funny story. So how do, how do you do that? How do you, well, first of all, you have to decide that forgiveness is an act of faith. It's something you do. It's not something you feel. It's something you do. So you don't feel like forgiving. You don't feel forgiveness. You just do it, right? You receive it if you're in the one committing the infraction, and you do it if you're the one providing the forgiveness to somebody else. Uh, and, and if you can live like that, that's a person of faith. A person of low faith always has to feel like they can be forgiven, or, you know, even if they ask the Lord to forgive them, if they don't feel forgiven, then, then they still, they can't move on. 
And they, they're wanting to feel forgiveness. Well, you can't feel like you're forgiven. The feeling has not, got nothing to do with it. Uh, and the same thing, if you're the one providing forgiveness, you know, you can't wait until that thought is no longer real. You can't wait until that emotion is no longer real uh, because that could take years, right? Some people are trying to forgive for years and they're always waiting for that event to occur. When they feel like they can forgive, then they will. Well, that, that's, that is, that's low faith. Person of faith, the Lord says uh, uh, that uh, you forgive, amen? In fact, uh, uh, we'll come back here to Philippians chapter four in just a second. Uh, over in Mark 11, uh, it says, <clears throat> uh, of course, we know, we know these verses here, right? In Mark 11, 23, 24, they're great uh, verses of faith, right? Uh, but uh, after verse 24, which says, therefore I say unto you, what things serve you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them, is verse 25. When you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any or if you have anything against anybody, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. So uh, when you stand praying, not when you feel like it, not when you want to, not when they have apologized, not when they've admitted the wrong, but when you're praying. Uh, amen? So is there any requirement on the receiver's side prior to you forgiving them? No, do they have to admit wrong? Do they have to admit that they did wrong? Do they have to admit that they, you were right and they were wrong? They have, do they have to apologize? Do they have to repent to you? Do they have to repent to the Lord prior to you forgiving them? No. Uh, and so that's why it's an act of faith. If you have to wait till you feel like it, then it's not an act of faith, it's an act of emotions. Or if you have to wait until they apologize, then, it, then, then you're withholding uh, your forgiveness until they earn it. Well, we don't earn our forgiveness, right? Because we, we talked about this verse, how you go over to, to Ephesians 4.32, that, that we forgive uh, for Christ's sake, because he hath forgiven us. Uh, and so, so back to Philippians 4, uh, it says in verse 8, uh, it says, And finally, brethren, what things soever are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, of good repute, of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Uh, and many years ago, the Lord really had me in this verse because a lot of people were trying to get me to believe that I was a terrible person uh, and just, you know, the, the stories that I was with at my pastor. And, and the very first phrase of this, whatsoever things are true. Who decides what's true? The Lord, is, the Lord decides true, right? He says, let the Lord be true and everybody, everybody else a liar. So the Lord is the, is the originator of truth. So truth and facts are not always the same thing. Maybe a fact that you committed a, a, an infraction, she may have sinned, but the truth of it is you can be forgiven. And so it's important to, to think on what things are true. So when somebody comes to tell you, you're a terrible person, and maybe you did the thing, the very thing that they said that you did. Maybe it's true, or maybe it's factually correct that you did that thing. But, but facts don't override the truth. The Lord, he said, uh, they shall know the truth, and the truth shall what? Make you free, Right? And so what's the truth when you've committed an infraction that you can be forgiven? See, people want to withhold forgiveness. Well, I'm not going to forgive you. Well, I don't care. You know, I mean, if somebody doesn't want to forgive me, I'm still forgiven. See, the truth is the Lord's forgiven me. Even I, even I admit that I did it. You know, if it, even I was the one who committed that infraction. The Lord can forgive me. Now, I understand that you, you can't be calloused and you can't run around just doing harm to everybody. Well, the Lord forgive me. The Lord forgive me. And that's a real flippant way of living. And, you know, you'd have to question whether or not you're really saved if all you're trying to do is hurt people every time you do, do anything. And so that's between you and the Lord. 
but, you know, I think a, a regular Christian uh, is not trying to do that. But finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, think on these things. So it's really important to, to, to remember what's the truth. You can be forgiven. What's the truth? You can forgive. Amen. That's what's true. Uh, and so it's not true that I can't believe they did that. That's not a truth. That's a fact, but it's not the truth because, yeah, they did that, but the overriding truth is they should be forgiven. So you've got to dwell on that. And, and so if you'll dwell on so the truth is the word of God. Amen. Truth is not the thing they did to you. The truth is not what you've done. The truth is, what does the word say? So, you, so when that thought rises up, I can't believe they did that to you. Yeah, but truth says I've forgiven them. Truth says they have been washed in the blood of Jesus. Truth is I desire to, for them to be blessed. Uh, and so you, you've got to change your thinking. So if you're struggling with this, and a lot of people do, you have to be very adamant about it. You have to be very specific. You have to recognize that you're dwelling on past infractions either uh, to you or by you, and you've got to move on. Because the truth is, if the Lord can put it in the sea, the, the sea, in the depths of the sea, if the Lord can put it as far as the east from the west, if the Lord can uh, blot out the transgressions, then you can. And that's the truth, right? Is that truth? That's truth. Now, anything else is not true. And so if you say, I can't forgive, that's not true. I can't forget, that's not true. And so really you should say, I just don't want to. I just don't want to forgive him. Now, and if the, I mean, if that's what you want to say, that's, that's, that's entirely up to you, of course. But then that means that, that you have now frustrated the grace of God. Amen. He is no longer able to bless you fully that he wants to. In fact, back, uh, mentioning back Mark eleven twenty five. That's the only thing that Jesus specifically called out that is a hindrance to your faith is unforgiveness. He doesn't call out anything. He doesn't call out adultery or anything else specifically as far as uh, that it's going to be a hindrance to your faith because he, he was talking about faith in verses 23 and 24. And he goes right into 25 and said, this is a hindrance to your faith. Uh, and so and he talks about that also in, um, in Luke chapter 17 uh, in a similar fashion there. Uh, and so forgiveness is a, is a big problem, right? Forgiveness, either receiving or granting forgiveness can be a big problem. But if you would focus on the truth, and so what I would do when people would come to me and try to tell me that I'm sorry, no count, and the Lord can never use me, I would just dwell on, well, Lord, what's the truth? Oh, you love me. What's the truth? Oh, you forgive me. What's the truth? Oh, you've washed me in the blood. Even if, even if I, because they would manipulate you, right? You, you, know, you ever had somebody convince you that you've done something wrong and you really didn't do anything wrong? You know, you, you had no intention to do wrong. I can't believe you did that. Well, I had no intention. To, yeah, but you did it anyway. And then, you're, then you, for weeks you're thinking, oh, Lord, I, I sure did intend. Maybe I did do that. Maybe I, you know, maybe there's something in my heart that, but a lot of times just no, they just want to manipulate you. And they want you to, want you to feel bad because they feel bad about themselves all the time. A lot of people who do that, you know, they're, they're narcissists and they want you to, to feel like they feel all the time and everything, they want everything to be about them. Uh, and so, uh, can we do this? Can we think on what sort of things are true? And so I love this verse because the Lord is the, is the only uh, arbiter of truth, not people. If people say, well, you, you know, you're unworthy to be in the ministry. That's not true. You're, you didn't call me. You didn't die for me. You didn't shed blood for me. So, so you can't make that statement. Amen. What's true is, you know, you know my name is Chip Foley. I'm a pastor of Word of Truth Church in Dayton, Tennessee. You know, I'm not... Uh, Paul the Apostle, called of God, but I'm Chip Bolio, called of God. Amen? Well, I don't think you're called. It doesn't matter. The truth is I'm called. Amen? And, and so once you get a hold of the truth, uh, 
people can't take the truth away from you. Uh, and so it's a great way to live, amen? It's a great way to, uh, to develop. And, and you know, the, the problem in the church is people have not spent the time in faith and prayer and sometimes even intercession because sometimes, remember Jesus uh, in Mark chapter 9 when they tried to cast out, the, when the disciples tried to cast out the, the, uh, the uh, epileptic demon from, from that boy uh, and they couldn't do it. They said, Lord, why can't we do that? He said, this kind, he said, because of your doubt and unbelief. He said, this kind, he's talking about the, not the demon, but their doubt and unbelief. He said, this kind cometh not out except by prayer and fasting. And so sometimes there is some prayers and fasting that you have to do to get that unbelief out of your heart that I cannot forgive or I cannot, be, uh, cannot receive forgiveness. That is doubt and unbelief. And Jesus said, sometimes you have to go through an extended times of prayer uh, and fasting in order to get that ripped out of your life. But if you'll be willing to do it, you'll be the most free person ever was. Your, your past doesn't control you. What people have done to you doesn't control you. The Lord controls you. And that's a great way to be, amen? You know, that's the way I want to be. Uh, that's why all those things, you know, as far as I'm concerned, none of those things occurred. I live as if they didn't happen. Uh, I live as if nobody's ever done anything to me uh, because I forgot those things. I've placed it in the, the uh, depths of the sea. I've blotted it out. I've uh, placed it as far as the east is from west. If the Lord can do it, I can do it. And he said it for, my, for his own sake, and I do it for my own sake, because it's good for me to do that, amen? It's a blessing to me to provide forgiveness to other people. And that way I can pray for them and be honest about it, you know, saying, Lord, uh, you know, uh, I'm praying for them. Uh, please let their car explode on the interstate. You know, well, that's not really a valid prayer, amen? Uh, and so can we do it? Well, the Lord said to do it, right? Paul said, I forget these things which lie behind. So that's not really a suggestion. It means you can do it and you should do it, amen? And so... Uh, the folks that, that say those things, uh, they're not really trying to live by faith. Tr they have trained themselves to live by their emotions, and, and you'll never succeed in anything of the Lord living by your emotions. And so uh, to me, it's, it's a great, uh, it's a, it's a great uh, this message is a great message, right? If people get a hold of this, they would live a lot freer lives, amen? A lot less, lot less heavy lives. A lot of people live heavy lives under, under unforgiveness and, and um, uh, lack of forgiveness, uh, towards other people and towards himself, and they just have a hard life, and they ought not have a hard life. They should give that up, amen? So let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So Father, we do thank you for your word, and Father, we thank you that we have the capacity to forget, and so Father, if somebody's done something to us, we can forget it. We choose to forget it by forgiving them first, and then thinking on those things which are true. Uh, and Father, if it's something that we've done, uh, if it's something that, that bad that we've done, Father, we can uh, choose to receive forgiveness for that and then still forget it. Uh, and if something that we've done that is a wonderful thing, Father, we just simply forget it, Father. We, we treat it as if it's not important, amen? As soon as it's over, Father, it's over and we move on in our lives. And so we thank you that, that you've given us the grace to live this way. And Father, not only have you given us the grace to, to live that way, you've also, Father, have given us the commandment to live that way. So we choose to do the commandments of the Lord. We love you, Father. And you said, if we love you, then we'll do your commandments. And so because we love you, we choose to forgive. Uh, and because we love you, Father, we choose to receive forgiveness. Uh, and so, Father, in both of those cases, uh, forgiveness can be had. Uh, and we appreciate that, Father. We live a free life without the burdens of unforgiveness. And we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Praise God. Well, the Lord is good. Amen. And um, um, let's see. We'll just... Uh,
said, we'll just see you on Sunday, right? So y'all be blessed. And, and um, yeah, well, you can take care of that at the end of the service there. All right, we'll see y'all on Sunday.